A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals you. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey, Rush Nation, before we get to today's show, which is an absolute banger, trust me on this, I want to tell you about the fantasy football playbook. Murph and I have been working really hard. Blood, sweat and tears have been pushed into our first publication. It's a book about fantasy football. Shock, this is a fantasy football podcast, but it's got strategy guides for all formats, rookie player profile reviews, Murph's PAS metric, which is exclusive to the podcast and the book. Head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk into the shop and go buy yourself the Fantasy Football Playbook. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Well, Rush Nation, it's Tuesday. We're back. Just Murph here today. Well, no, it's not just me. Uh, Stocks is, uh, is, has ended his uh, government holidays a couple of weeks ago and he is working. But it's okay. As you know, whenever I uh, am here on my own, I've always got someone here to keep me company. And who better than the man I've got with me right now? He is the co-host of the Fantasy Football Pros podcast. He's an analyst for Fantasy Pros. He's done many other great things in the past. It's Carl Yates, everyone. Carl, welcome to Five Year Rush. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it is awesome to get the chance to talk to you. I know we've been trying to do this for a while here, so appreciate you having me on. Happy to talk some football. Yeah, no, it's it's great to have you. Um, I know you're you're recently new to to Fantasy Pros. You moved over there uh, earlier in the year, but you were doing a lot of things beforehand. Not to mention you've got your your own personal site with your 
uh, draft projection sheets, which if anyone wants to do projections, uh, Stocks has used them actually. He uh, he raves it. It's a, it's a good program you've got there and a really easy way to, to map it out. So I wanted to give that a shout out first and foremost, because I know you put a lot of work into that. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's one of those things I love being able to, the tools that I'm building out for myself, right? Like to be able to streamline my processes and all that, uh, to be able to just put that out for other people to use is something that I, I see no harm in doing. So uh, I think if we can create smarter and better fantasy football players, we all become better for it. So happy to do that. Amen. I love that. So give us a brief intro then, how you end up getting into talking about fantasy football and, and football in general. What, what made you uh, get to where you are today? Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, for me, I actually didn't grow up uh, watching football a ton. Um, I actually grew up a huge hockey fan. So um, I didn't turn to football until I got to college. And so at that point, um, but I grew up out, outside the Chicago area. So, you know, obviously uh, following the Bears when they were good, which wasn't very often, but, <laughs> um, you know, we were, uh, we would follow it, you know, of course, when, when they were good. And so, um, but yeah, when I got to college, that's when my attention turned towards football, started playing fantasy football. I think my first league actually was in like 2013. It was 2012 or 2013 when I first started playing fantasy football in general. So um, from there, really, really fell in love with it, uh, immediately became a, a really big hobby. And then in 2017, I ended up doing like my own fantasy football podcast. And I was very, very naive. <laughs> I'll classify it like that. I was very, very naive to say like, all right, this is going to blow up. This is going to be huge. I'll be working, you know, this will be my full-time job within three months. You know, I was just very, very naive and um, ended up, you know, it got way too much to handle between that and my other job and trying to keep that up. So I ended up closing that, um, but ended up uh, still like writing for uh, some sports websites here or there. I got brought on with a Chicago-based sports website in oh geez what would this have been 2018 I think and so I was writing for them about the Bears and then ended up taking over their fantasy football content and however it was like buried on their site like it wasn't something that they were really keen on showing public facing uh, because it was just fantasy football in general but their audience was they wanted me to talk about Chicago you know players for fantasy football which you can only write so much about <laughs> so um views were getting like a hundred views per article like it just was not uh was not super public facing however I was a huge follower of the fantasy footballers Andy Mike and Jason uh they really were the ones who got me into fantasy football to begin with so was listening to their podcast one day they put out they just said hey we're opening up applications for our writing team and so I ended up applying and was just with a mindset of like this will never happen like no it won't happen it would be a dream you know dream come true and lo and behold I actually got brought on with them and so ended up starting writing for them last I got brought on last April with them so as far as the timeline like this has been a super crazy year um, where I was writing for them throughout last offseason and all of last season and in November, Fantasy Pros put out that they were uh, hiring for a full-time analyst and ended up uh, putting in my name again. I remember talking to my wife and saying like, hey, I want to apply for this, but I, it's not going to happen. You know, like there are so many other people that are much more qualified in the industry than, you know, I just had a very negative view of myself at that point and interviewed with them. And man, um, it was a whirlwind. I got brought on in January. So um, this has been, like I said, a crazy whirlwind of a year. I'm sitting here, you know, uh, 
just celebrating, you know, a year of writing in the fantasy sports industry back in April and now sitting here in June full time. So it is crazy, man. Um, but I love it. I love what I get to do. Love getting to wake up and talk about football every single day. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and I think you're an inspiration to to many people who are looking to either think about doing this for a living or at least do it part time. Um, so some people, in fact, um, I want to reference Brian Drake, um, who wrote a really awesome article on uh, uh, finding uh, FightingChanceFantasy dot com, where he talks about actually his love of fantasy football, wanting to do it and be a journalist, but actually those realizations of of being at home and the family and the money aspect of it makes it makes it difficult but to still be able to do this in some capacity get to live the experience of being in it and he talks about it's a, it's a wonderful wonderfully written piece I actually uh was really moved to tears I think I retweeted it earlier and I definitely think uh, a lot of people should do it but it, it, it is an inspiration I speak to people all the time who want to do this and they say you know how how do you do it so I guess my question to you is someone who has had this meteoric rise over the last sort of 12, 18 months, what advice would you give to someone who's listening to this now is thinking, I want to be involved. I want to do, even if it's not fantasy football, if it's just anything for a living, what would you sort of inspire them to say? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I think one of the things, whenever I get asked this question, it's a phrase that has actually stuck with me for several years. There's a Kevin Hart standup from several years ago where it's before he goes on stage and he's talking to like his crew and he says the phrase over and over again, everybody want to be famous, but no one wants to put the work in. And for me, I, I mean, if I can look back and I can recognize, like I was busting my butt, right? Like all last season, even seasons before where I was working as hard as I could. And I just dedicated myself to it. And a lot of people want to be in the fantasy space. They want to be, you know, full-time or whatever. Uh, and again, you mentioned other industries as well, but they don't, they want the fame. They want the notoriety that comes with it, but they don't want to put the work in. And I think that that's something that if I can say to everyone else who's listening, who is in that space, who wants to be in my chair, who wants to be doing what I'm doing, like you got to put the work in. And so I think, you know, these people that are saying like, well, I don't write for anyone, but you know, I'm going to put my application in like, it's just not going to happen, right? Like people need to see your portfolio, your resume to be able to be brought into these different spaces. So my recommendation is take any writing job that you can get. I mean, again, I was, I mentioned it, I was writing for a site that had a hundred views per article, you know, that that's what I had to do. I would be, because in that process, it refined my writing ability. It, you know, caused me to develop my writing skills in that time. And I was doing it because I loved it, not because I wanted the fame or notoriety that came with it. So, you know, definitely take any writing position you can get. Twitter is your resume. So, you know, be kind. People are going to notice if you engage in these kind of conversations that, um, you know, are going to negatively affect their company one day. You know, those, those people who are always engaging in, in Twitter beefs and stuff like that, they're going to be someone who a company is going to say, well, when we bring you on, you're representing us. And so, you know, Twitter is your resume and, uh, and definitely be kind to one another. Those are, those are kind of the things that I would definitely recommend to people who want to be in this space full time. I, I couldn't agree more. And a lot of people ask like, Oh, where do you, you know, where can I get writing jobs here and there, blah, blah, blah. blah. And, you know, you can start your own. That's what Stocks and I did. We started our own website and we started putting out our own content. And as you say, it is about the work. There's a lot of articles we wrote in the early days that were getting 20 views, 30 views. Now we're lucky enough to get hundreds of views and, and you know, in some cases, uh, a few thousand views. But mm-hmm. 
it takes it's as you said it's it's the work you've got to go through it and refine your process i knew two three years ago if i wanted to write probably most people wouldn't have taken a chance because my writing wasn't good enough i wasn't doing it for a living i'm you know it's not my job um i left uni a long time ago um i'm not saying i'm a bad writer but you definitely the more you do and the more you get refined in the process and you learn about sure. how to structure it on sites you you just get better at it and that's I think that's the key. And, and, you know, we always ask for people for writers and people are like, oh, I'd love to do it. And I was like, great. What do you want to write about? And they're like, Oh, I thought you'd just tell me what you want to write about. Right. Well, well no. Cause if I was going to just pitch the article to you, I just write it myself. Right. I don't need someone to, I don't need to tell people what to write. You need to pitch to us what you want to write. And if it's good, we'll, we'll release it in terms of if it's a good idea. And if we think it's of interest. I think that's the other thing is, is come up with an idea about what you want to do because it's saturated as it is, but it, you can always have your own unique perspective on it. Yep, absolutely. It all comes down to passion. It all comes Definitely. down to what you're passionate about and what you're going to be able to write about. Absolutely. Great. Uh, I couldn't agree uh, more than that. So let's talk about your personal fantasy season from last year. How did you get on? How many leagues did you play in? How many titles did you end up winning? Uh, yeah, how'd you get on? Yeah, for sure. Well, I, man, I think I played in either five or six leagues. So I really, last year I was like, I want to keep it pretty simplistic. I really don't. These guys who play in like 25 leagues, I'm like, no, thank you. I cannot keep up. Uh, I cannot dedicate enough time to be able to, you know, compete in all those leagues. So I'm in some super competitive leagues. Like I'm in a fantasy pros dynasty invitational league that I actually got brought on into before I was part of the fantasy pros team with guys like Mike Taglier, Bobby mm. Sylvester, Jamie Eisenberg, uh, Jody Smith. I mean, these guys across the industry where that was super competitive. And so I was like, I want to dedicate some time because I need to, I need to be competitive in this league. So um, yeah, I won, I won one of the championships in like my main dynasty league with some buddies from college. Uh, so won that one held it over their heads for, you know, a little bit here. I'll probably do it a little bit more, <laughs> drop in an occasional text here or there. Hey, remember who won your league last year? Um, <laughs> but, but no, I definitely wanted to be intentional last year and try to keep uh, my leagues as minimal as possible this year. I'm, I'm entering into some more dynasty leagues. So I, in last two weeks ago, I was in the middle of like three dynasty startups, which was a little too crazy for me. But uh, but no, man, I'm uh, last year was a really good year. It was a good year to get my feet under me as far as writing and what that looks like week in and week out throughout the season. Um, but as far as playing leagues, yeah, it went pretty well. That's awesome. And would you say what what is the sort of you give one takeaway based on your 2019 season that you would take away and put it in? To, to 2020 either something that you would do or something that you would change and, and try and avoid uh, going forward sure yeah I think I think one of the big takeaways and one of the things that I try to mention as much as I can on Twitter for people who are playing dynasty leagues particularly is that to build depth because we saw especially in super flex leagues right where we saw last year a ton of quarterbacks go down and if you did not have the depth to survive it then you, your season was done right so I think that the more that I can, and I'm taking this into my mindset, you know, with running back position, with wide receivers, especially quarterbacks and super flex leagues, is to make sure that I have depth to survive these injuries because injuries are inevitable. And some years we'll see spikes in them. Some years we'll see, you know, the main key players stay healthy for all 16 games. And it's great. But part of fantasy football is surviving the injuries that happen to your fantasy football roster. So I think that was one of the key takeaways that I took away from last year was make sure that we're building depth on our rosters because 
Uh, I would rather have more solid wide receiver three options, you know, than one main wide receiver one that if he goes down, then my season's screwed. So um, those types of those types of things were definitely something that I took away. Ah, uh, yeah, I, it's such a great point because especially with running backs last year, we were almost spoiled by the lack of of injuries. And considering that as a position that's heavily injured, last year you had a few, but it it was not it, for me personally. I didn't feel running back injuries were anywhere near what they normally are and I feel this year we especially with potentially no training camps no OTAs you got you know there are people that are going to come into the season perhaps a little bit unfit and therefore there were going to be more injuries this year I think that's just going to be a, a given and that depth part is is important that's a good a good reminder to to everybody one of the things that you really excel in and I, I noticed this from from reading a lot of your articles and, and what you do is is rookies you really go into a lot of depth and and study those and I know that uh, a lot of people have probably gone through their dynasty rookie startups or or maybe are just starting some out and they've got rookie drafts coming up so I really wanted to spend a bit of time talking about these because I know this is a, an area of expertise for you so I guess for looking at the rookies we'll go for each uh, each room uh, separately uh, there's a, a bit of debate for quarterback one you've got your Joe Burrow camp which a lot of people seem to be planted in and you have this silo of people that are more and more going into into Tua's camp based on his ability and they're not as worried about the injury where do you sit right now from a fantasy football perspective if you had the 101 in the Superflex league right now where, who are you drafting with with that pick yeah of course it's such a great question so for me personally it's joe burrow uh, i had burrow rated out higher based on my grading scale so um tua is a phenomenal talent and i think that if we didn't have the injury concerns i think he would be right up there with him i would still have burrow ahead of him when we look at landing spot and we factor that in we're talking about burrow landing with some of the best wide receiver options in the entire nfl when you look at that wide receiver core, you have guys like A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross. I mean, now you add in T. Higgins, who I really liked coming out out of Clemson. Then Joe Mixon out of the backfield, Giovanni Bernard. You know, these guys that are going to make life easy on Joe Burrow. Whereas you look at Miami with Tua, and you have Devontae Parker, who finally broke out last year, and good for him. Like, I'm so happy for the guy because we thought he was done. Uh, you know, but then you're talking about guys like, Preston Williams, yeah, he showed some things, but he's an unknown coming off that injury. And, you know, he's just an unknown in general. He's only played in a few games. And then Albert Wilson, he's not anything, you know, outstanding or spectacular. Mike Gesicki at tight end, a little bit, you know, of an unproven commodity. So the surrounding receiving options there with Tua Tungavailoa in Miami is a little bit of an unknown. And that causes me to bring him down a little bit. However, with the need, and I just mentioned it, with the need for quarterbacks in super flex leagues i'm perfectly comfortable with taking Tua within the top three picks just ba- you know gambling on the injury concerns that he's going to be healthy i think i don't think he's going to start the season right away there's a, even a possibility that we don't see him play at all this year so that certainly knocks him down rankings a little bit but as far as where joe burrow landed uh, i think he can have immediate impact immediate value and could even be an option in redraft leagues I think that's a fair point. I think it's it's a hard one. Isn't it? I can totally understand people's appeal on tour. And I think if you, you know, there is that saying, if you want to go get your guy, but I, I'm with you. I think the safety of the, I think you need safety at that position, especially in a, in a, in a super flex league, because if you lose that player, I had a league last year where my quarterbacks were, I went 
it was a startup and I went with Jameis Winston, Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger thinking that's fine. I've, I'll, I want to win it now. So I'm going to take three guys now. And if I need to chop and change these guys in a couple of years, I'll do that. Ben lasted a game in a bit. Cam, about the same. And then Winston, fine. It gets to this season. Cam doesn't have a job. Winston doesn't have a job. <laughs> and all of a sudden, right. I'm needing to go ahead and rebuild. And it's like, great. I've right. got no. Um, I had to play like Eli Manning off the waiver wire because he's the only <laughs> guy left for like the last couple of weeks of the season because he came back. And it's just, no. Nah. And that's the positions you don't want to be in for sure. Um, what about your. So, this is a, an area that we sort of. Everyone seems to have anointed Clyde Bertelaire as, as the 101 in, in rookie drafts that aren't super flex. Um, purely on the landing spot, maybe over talent uh, to some degree because he wasn't projected to be the the guy that went in the first round in, in drafts, you know, especially in the NFL draft. Who would you say your top three, if you had the, the 101, 102, 103 in a rookie draft, who were the three guys for fantasy football you're, you're going to be taking this year? Yeah, of course. So I'll briefly explain my my uh, grading process here. So I do tape evaluation is my first phase. So that's watching a minimum of three games of tape on each of these prospects. Um, I typically with skill players, I'll watch up to eight games. So watch quite a few games on these players and I'll assign them uh, a tape grade based on, you know, eight different characteristics, um, including like vision bursts, contact balance to pass catching and pass protection. So that's phase one. Phase two is uh, bringing in combine and injury rating. So with the combine score, I'll give them weight-adjusted spark metrics um, as far as their grading scale, and then adding in injury concerns as far as a rating, you know, um, assigning them a numerical value there. So if they're, you know, they have lengthy injury concerns, they'll get bumped down a little bit in my rankings. And then the final phase is landing spot. So uh, from there, you know, that that results in my my end grade for these players. So with that in mind, my top three running backs are Jonathan Taylor. DeAndre Swift and JK Dobbins. So I know that there are a lot of people going to be listening and saying, well, man, he doesn't even have Clyde Edwards Hilaire in there. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is number four for me, (laughs) you know? So he's like right in there, his landing spot grade, of course, maxed out. Like it's a beautiful landing spot for fantasy football. We can't deny that. But when he was a little bit down my rankings, he was four going into the draft process just because of his lack of pass protection so he received a very poor grade for me in pass protection large part due to his size and the fact that he wasn't asked to do it a ton at LSU because he's only 5'8 you know 207 pounds or whatever he is so when you have a 240 pound blitzing linebacker coming at that guy he's not going to stand up (laughs) he's not going to do super great so um so he maxed out as far as a landing spot grade but he still stays down towards the end of my uh my rankings there so uh, but I definitely understand people wanting to take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the 101. And you mentioned it, you know, uh, kind of basing it off of uh, the landing spot versus overall talent. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is an extremely talented runner, extremely talented pass catcher out of the backfield. I really, really like him, but he doesn't crack that top three for me. I think that's, uh, I mean, you can't, you can't argue this. If we were having this discussion before the NFL draft, everyone would be nodding right now going, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course that makes sense. Clive Soler is going to be this sleeper that could go anyway. He could go to Tampa. Yeah, I don't think anyone predicted he'd end up at, at, at Kansas City. And um, I think people can sometimes get lost in landing spots over talent. I think there's a fresh reminder you've just given there that whilst he still has great talent and great ability, there is that, that risk of there are better guys. Um, 
and some people have just as equal a path to get the Jonathan Taylor as a, a, quite an easy path to get to to dominate, um, just as easy as Clyde Bertolet, and that shouldn't be forgotten either. Um, probably the hardest one, maybe not in terms of separating the top three, but maybe how you rank them is is wide receivers. I mean, this was an incredibly deep class. We saw a, a huge number go in the first round, more more than than usual. Um, very typically graded to. Uh, and, and compared to the 2014 class, which had Mike Evans and Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, and the like, so how how are you splitting these these wide receivers, and who are the guys you should be targeting in your rookie drafts or your uh, dynasty startups? Yeah, of course. So I mean, it's super. <laughs> these guys are all just kind of thrown into a blender, really. Um, you know, because there weren't many players who land whose landing spot was like, okay, I want that guy. Right. They're all kind of in this same spot. And so I really do lean back on my evaluation process. And so for there, I have Jerry Judy as my wide receiver one. Then I actually have Henry Ruggs as my wide receiver two. I loved Ruggs coming out. And I know that that is uh, not the consensus (laughs) group think there, Uh, but I loved his ability. I think that him landing in Las Vegas, um, they're gonna they're gonna get him the ball, especially with him going at number twelve overall in the NFL draft. He's gonna be a heavy target there. So uh, I he still graded out highly for me. He's at wide receiver two. Then for me, wide receiver three is Justin Jefferson, and these guys kind of stayed in that same rank that I had them pre-draft. So, um, but I do have CD Lamb like right behind him, and so all these guys again. I mentioned it. There's not much that's splitting them as far as a numerical grade. Uh, in my rankings but that's the top three Jerry Judy Henry Ruggs and Justin Jefferson see I think the first round is is fascinating in a rookie draft because I I almost think unless you're at the very back end of the round on paper they can't miss product uh, prospects I mean in the sense of if you were looking at the first round and appreciate that we haven't got injuries or games played and situations can always change and talent doesn't always arise in character but if you were drawing up the 101 to the 109 seven or eight with you know the running backs and wide receivers if you got any one of those guys you'd be pretty happy um I don't feel there's there's and in the rookie drafts I've been in I don't feel there's been as much trading up to the 101 102 especially in non-super flex leagues because they're quite happy to wait and get a lamb a judy a, a rugs um or you know they, they miss out on Hilaire and Taylor and they're quite happy to get a Dobbins or a Swift I mean I think it's right. just so unique whereas last year the foray was we need to get Josh Jacobs because the difference between Josh Jacobs and everybody else wasn't close I mean and then you took Miles Sanders and the difference between Miles Sanders and I don't even remember who was the projected David, Mon- David Montgomery it was, David was probably Montgomery, right yeah. there yeah which I mean the difference now I mean is is incredible so it's, it's just a blessed class, and I think next year will we'll be the same. Last skill position to dig into is probably uh, the complete opposite of what we just talked about, which is tight ends. Is there anyone in this class that is worth stashing on a taxi squad, is worth really digging into and uh, and taking a flyer on with, with rookie picks this year, or is it a case of just uh, pick them up after the draft and, and see where you go? I mean, where, where have you got these guys ranked? Yeah, so this was a super weak tight end class, and we spent a ton of time talking about it, how uh, none of these guys I felt was going to be a first, you know, a tight end one on their respective teams. Uh, You know, the talent really wasn't there. So the guy that I did have uh, finish out as my tight end one post-draft is Adam Troutman out of Dayton. He ended up in New Orleans. New Orleans made a a hefty move, a hefty trade to go up and get him. 
And so that's signaling that he's the future there in New Orleans. However, there's a ton of unknowns as what as to what that offense is going to look like next year if Drew Brees is done. Uh, so I think Jared Cook is still there, so he's not going to have immediate value. So that's one of the concerns. So you kind of have to play this waiting game with Adam Troutman and just potentially gamble that he's going to turn into something down the road. None of these tight ends I really feel confident about drafting at all in rookie drafts, unless I'm in like my unless I'm in like the fourth round and one of these guys is still sitting there. Uh, I might just wait and pick them up off waiver wires or something like that. The only, I mean, Cole Komet, he's going to be more of a blocking tight end in Chicago than, you know, a Travis Kelsey replacement. I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out. So I think he's more so that, that inline blocker, which he excelled at, uh, at Notre Dame. Bryson Hopkins is buried down that depth chart in LA. So I'm not super confident in him. The only other guy that I'll mention is like, keep an eye on him is Thaddeus Moss out of LSU. He's a little bit undersized for the position. I loved his tape though. And he, of course he suffered that foot injury, I believe it was. So he wasn't able to participate in the uh, combine or, you know, again, pro days were canceled. So we didn't get to see him at all in the pre-draft process. And he goes undrafted. However, he ends up in Washington, which has a desperate need for the tight end for at tight end. Uh, You have guys like Logan Thomas, Richard Rogers ahead of him on the depth chart. So there's a path there for Thaddeus Moss to get on the field and play some significant snaps here uh, in Washington. He's a great blocker too. So he's going to get on the field. So just keep an eye on him, but I don't think he's someone that you need to spend a a fourth round or earlier draft pick on. Well, good to know. A little sleeper to walk away with from people. Um, Just before we wrap up, um, just want to look at potentially some guys uh, in rookie drafts that could be potential busts or guys that uh, their ADP is inflating perhaps their their value and true uh, reflection. So are there any guys in, in, in rookie drafts right now for fantasy football that you would recommend people uh, reevaluate their ADP and maybe shove them down boards a little bit or uh, anyone you feel is, is just really, really overpriced and people should stay away at all costs? Sure. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't have ADP up in front of me uh, and I should have pulled that up. So my apologies, but I mean, some of these guys that I'll just say, like, I am much lower on than consensus. Um, LaVisca Chanel is one of them for me. I wasn't, I mean, I liked his talent, but he's more so of a scheme touches player, someone who needs to land in a creative offense. He landed in, in a decent offense in Jacksonville. I think he's going to get opportunities here, but his injury concerns are real. And I think that that's someone who I am just willing to let someone else draft and potentially deal with the, the outcomes there where I don't think he has a true, you know, enormous ceiling where it's worth a, you know, significant draft investment. I know he has a lot of fans across the, uh, you know, Twitter sphere, but uh, this is someone who I'm willing to stay away from just based on injury concerns and, you know, what his potential role could be in the NFL. Another guy that I'll mention, I wasn't super high on him. I have no idea why he went in the first round of the NFL draft, uh, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Ayuk was a guy who I just saw. He was one of my most confusing and difficult evaluations because there were some games that I watched on tape where I was like, this guy is like a fifth round developmental prospect. And then there were some other games that I watched on tape that were like, okay, I can see why people like him. Uh, he was one that I had to go back and watch later on uh, because I was like, I don't see it. There are a lot of smart people in the in, in, in the industry that are talking him up. I don't see it. Uh, so he's one that I think he's going to be a, a good player for San Francisco and that offense. However, I don't think that it's going to, to equate to a ton of fantasy value. So I know that he's still that first round price tag, you know, 
uh, that draft equity, that draft capital speaks volumes to a lot of fantasy football players. And I think that people are going to go chasing after that. However, I think that this is one that you need to be a little bit cautious of. Yeah, because his ADP is like 204, 205. And, you know, he's in that realm with a Michael Pittman who has a real clear path to be, you're worried about what the future might bring. But at least this year, you're quite happy to pay that price on someone like Michael Pittman because you know what he's going to bring this year. And then you hope that they bring in somebody of a similar ilk to, to Rivers to sling it. And you, you, you feel like that you've got a good, you've got a good value asset there. And Absolutely. Yeah, they're pretty much back to back, and you think I'd, that's never a decision for me. It's always Pittman. If I'm in that spot, right. it's always Pittman over Ayuk for for that reason. The other guy I'm just curious about is Brian Edwards because his injury profile is really real. I think he's probably the most outside of Tua, probably the most injury allured player in 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 the in the whole class. But a lot of guys that talk him up, he, he's currently going sort of early to mid third round in rookie drafts. Is he a player that you would have any interest in at that price or or not really? Yeah, I absolutely do, actually. Um, he is someone who I saw a lot of improvement from, from 2018 tape to 2019 tape. 2018, he was more of a lumbering type player, phenomenal hands, uh, more of a red zone presence than anything else, but was very uh, stiff in his movements, didn't really have a ton of change of direction ability. However, 2019 tape, he slimmed down a little bit. He got extremely explosive, extremely twitchy at the line of scrimmage, able to beat press coverage. Uh, he was someone who I loved his tape. He suffers two really fluke injuries in the combine pro- in the uh, pre-draft process, excuse me. So we, again, we don't have t- testing numbers on him, but you're looking at this offense in Las Vegas where they needed a body type like Brian Edwards, a big body who can be a red zone presence. And I think he's going to get opportunity. And the best part about him is that he's not going at the same price tag as a Brandon Ayuk, as a LaVisca Chenault, where I can take him. I got him in the back of the third round of that uh, Fantasy Pros Dynasty start, or, uh, rookie draft. So, you know, like I, I'm perfectly happy to add him at that point because I didn't invest like first round draft capital in him, right? Where if I need that first round draft pick to be a, a building block for my team. In the third round, if Brian Edwards hits, great then I've got a solid option to build upon. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, the injury concerns are definitely real. You have to be concerned about it. You have to factor that in. However, I do think that it is being factored in into his draft stock. I have one more player eval to, to talk about. Um, as a Tampa fan, I'd be kicking myself if I didn't ask you about Keyshawn Vaughn. He's sort of going at the back end of the first round. Do you think that's worth it for him? Do you see a path to him being the guy in Tampa. Um, I know there's some Ronald uh, Ronald Jones truthers out there, and I think he probably still has some form of role, but do you think Vaughn is going to be that guy moving forward, especially as the season kicks on? I absolutely do. So I'm doing a a series um, here at Fantasy Pros uh, throughout the offseason, breaking down my projections. And the second article that I posted in this series was why Keyshawn Vaughn will finish as a top 24 running back in 2020. So I'm a big fan of his. I think I was a big fan of his pre-draft. So I know that there are a lot of people that didn't like his tape and are now saying like, okay, well, he landed in a really good offense, but you know, no, this was a guy that I really liked. I actually had him at RB4 for a significant part of the pre-draft process. So I think that, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn landing in this offense, being hand-selected by this coaching staff is a big thing where they inherited Ronald Jones and we saw that pass protection is a big concern. Blitz pickup is a big thing for Bruce Arians and this offense. And Ronald Jones struggles in that. 
Another area that Ronald Jones struggles is pass catching. You know, we've seen that just be a, a deficiency of, you know, uh, with his game. And those are two things that I saw stand out in Keyshawn Vaughn's tape. So I think that he is a perfect fit for this offense. You mentioned it. I don't think Ronald Jones is going to go completely away. I'm not projecting that by any means. However, I think that Keyshawn Vaughn is an extremely safe pick at the back end of your first round. I think he's falling even more than that, you know, in some of these other drafts that I've been in. And so I'm, you know, seeing him at the bat or the early second, mid second in some places, which I do not understand. So if you're listening and you have that pick there in that range and Keyshawn Vaughn is sitting there and you need a running back, I'd be, I'd definitely be pulling the trigger on him. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he, especially as the fact that his pass protection is, is so good. And that's what Brady will rely on. I think he's not leaving the field at any point, um, except for maybe to get some rest. So right. I couldn't agree more. Um, one final question for me, cause this has been an absolute blast. Do you have a seriously spicy hot take for these 2020 rookies? It could be absolutely anything. It could be someone who we're not expecting to be the wide receiver or running back one this year. It could be someone flaming out we're not expecting. But Oh, this is a really good question. Um, ah, man. Um, I think I'll go with... Uh, I'll go with Michael Pittman finishes as a top 20 wide receiver. I don't have him necessarily projected there right now. I have him more around wide receiver 30 range, but I can definitely see how he can get to that wide receiver 20, potentially even higher than that. And his ADP is down in like the sixties, wide receiver 60 or something like that right now. He is an absolute, like I'm pulling the trigger every time that I'm, you know, at the back end of these mock drafts and Michael Pittman is still sitting there. I'm absolutely pulling the trigger. I think he could finish as a top 20, top 15 wide receiver this season. That is, see, that is spicy. That's what we came for. That's what we wanted. <laughs> you definitely delivered on that. I love it. And um, I, I, I think I can definitely see a route to that happening. I don't think I'm quite as bullish as that, but I, I love him too. I think that's a, a bold pick, but one I can, I can definitely get on board with. This has been an absolute blast, Carl. Really appreciate you coming on. Why don't you tell Rush Nation where they can find uh, your work, where they can interact in it and engage with you, uh, where they can find your projections if they want to uh, have a go at, at doing themselves, because they are great. Like I said, Stocks used them for hit fears, and uh, he's eternally grateful. He texts me actually just to say, uh, You got him on, you better tell him thanks for me because he saved me a ton of work. Yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at KyleYNFL, on Instagram at well, as well at KyleYNFL. And uh, as far as those projections, it's a pinned tweet on my profile. So make sure that you head over there, check that out. Would love to uh, get that in the hands of everyone who, who does, who plays fantasy football. I think it's a super helpful and easy tool. So I greatly appreciate you uh, promoting that. No, it really is. Uh, you know, I've used them. I've seen them. I help stocks with, with his. And um, there is, it's just as a, not even just as a beginner's guy, just as something to use going forward. It's a, such a great exercise to work on projections because you just instantly become smarter. Even if you miss by a mile, you'll learn why you miss and you learn how to be smarter every year. And it just Absolutely. makes you a better fantasy player. And, and the way that your sheet works is is quite intuitive. It's uh, it's just a great way. Well, like you said, you save people tens or hundreds of hours of putting it together themselves. Right. So, no, great as always. Uh, thanks very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, Rush Nation, we're going to be back uh, later on in the week. We've got a, another stellar guest who will be joining us. But until then, keep rushing. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. 
We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.